Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, the podcast all about comedy. You know, the oldest recorded joke in British history is Anglo-Saxon, dating from the 10th century. And it is, what hangs at a man's thigh and wants to poke the hole it's often poked before? A key. Yes, that proves two things. One, cocks are funny. And two, probably time we thought of something else. I love talking to the people in comedy about comedy. And if you like to hear what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. Thank you. As this is the landmark 50th episode, I decided this would be an excellent opportunity to talk to one of my absolute favourite comedians. But as they weren't available, I'm instead talking to my guest today, who is an Austrian comedian, performing stand-up in the UK and across the globe since 2017. He has a very relaxed style and a very dark humour that I enjoy enormously. And despite his often bleak material, as this conversation will attest, he's a lot of fun to be around. It's stand-up comedian Hubert Meyer. Hi, mate. Hello. How are you doing? Really good, really good. How is Austria? Uh, yeah, well, same old. It's uh, <laughs> it's all right. It's such a contrast to to when I'm in London. It's just insane. It's like I've, I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's no no one around. Sounds brilliant. Yeah. Let's go on with it, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. So obviously, you you've come over to the UK from Austria. What prompted that? <laughs> what prompted the move? Um, well, that was uh, that was twelve years ago. Mm -hmm. I um I think you've heard this in my material already, but uh, <laughs> I uh, I was uh, with my girlfriend at the time for like seven years, and she she literally just suggested, "Oh, let's spend a year abroad," um, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, the easiest move because uh, the UK was still in the EU then was to go to London for a bit. Yeah. So the idea was to go to London for a year. Uh, we moved to London. Um, I already had a job waiting for me. Then she found one, and then. Mm -hmm. After a year, we were like, oh, that year's gone by way too quick. So let's tack on another half a year. Uh, did that <laughs> twice, I think. And then, then, then we broke up. <laughs> and then I, and then I decided to just stay, you know, for a bit. I wanted to yeah. stay for another year or so, just like sort of enjoy London as a single man. And then, uh, yeah, now it's 12 years later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Still here. <laughs> Still single. <laughs> oh, we all. Yeah. <laughs> Coming over from Austria, is there a comedy scene in Austria? Were you aware of it even? There never used to be, like, not um, not like there is in, in English-speaking countries in terms of, like, stand-up comedy. Yeah. So there's no, there wasn't a, a sort of, like, an open mic you could go to to just, like, bang out five minutes of material and see if you like doing it. Right. Um, there is a there is a sort of, like, stand-up comedy. It's We call it cabaret, like cabaret. Mm. Um, but you don't you don't work up from like five minutes of material until you have an hour. It's more you write an hour and then you try and 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 get booked at like theaters and stuff like immediately. Wow. Um, so you basically you skip a few steps. <laughs> yeah. And um, there's a there's a there's a few Austrian comedians that I actually still really really like. Um, that was my first touch point with comedy was actually Austrian comedians mm. that then became famous like German speaking actors at least. Yeah. Um. But yeah, nothing like, nothing like the UK. Um, now there is. Um, there's mm. a there's a couple open mics. Even I, I, I'm, where I am right now is near Salzburg. Um, mm -hmm. There's a couple open mics in Salzburg. Even like English speaking ones. So lots of expats uh, go there. Yeah. And then in Vienna, there's a there's a quite a quite a big comedy scene at this point. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows everyone, <laughs> but. But considering it's Austria, it's still it's still, it's a big scene. <laughs> it's a bit of a big scene with eight comedians. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's what it is. I did a I did a gig once, like um, 
uh, in 2020, I think it was. Uh, so that was full on COVID times. Mm. But I was over here in, in August of 2020. And I didn't, I didn't even think about doing comedy while I was here. But um, I don't know if you know Victor Petraskin, yeah. um, Romanian, Romanian comedian, right? Mm. And uh, he's been all over Europe. And he saw that I was in Austria and he just messaged the local promoter. And he was like, oh, yeah, put this guy on. He's, he's in Austria at the moment. And I was like, oh, all right, I'll, I'll do it then. And that was a weekly show yeah. they did in like a coffee house in Salzburg. And I turned up and it was, it was rammed. It was like there were 75 people in. I thought this was going to be one of those where there's like two people yeah. that didn't even know there was comedy on, you know, <laughs> just people that have comedy thrust upon them yeah. instead, <laughs> instead of seeking it out. And yeah, it, it was like at the same acts every week, apparently. Yeah. There was like four acts on. <laughs> and then then I got to do like 20 minutes. And I got like three like applause breaks, standing ovations <laughs> and stuff, just because I had actual jokes written. It was like a really, really weird um, experience. Because like, obviously, yeah, it's, it's the same acts every week, like trying out new material every week. Yeah. That's pretty much all they do, um, <laughs> you know. Not not to take away from anything they do, but it's just like once you've you've been on the London circuit for a bit, then uh, yeah, you know, it just like hones your skill a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess that when you're on the circuit, you know, you've you know JB and Alex and Rich and these people, so you you kind of hang out. You kind of have to in some cases, but um, <laughs> but then other people you might not see for a year going around. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and also when you start, and you basically you have your generation of comics that you started with like you know the yeah. new intake and then um you kind of lose track after that with all the new acts that come on and stuff yeah yeah did you find that the sense of humor was different or is different no not at all that's what i found i mean that's a, that's something i was going to bring up on this podcast anyway is like austria in general people have a really dark sense of humor right it's like one of the things when people say what's the difference between austria and germany that's one of the things i bring up usually Hmm. um like those comedians i mentioned um the austrian ones it's 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 really it's really dark stuff and um <laughs> the films like the the comedy films we have here they're incredibly dark um hmm. and depressing yeah but <laughs> hence my comedy uh, <laughs> so uh yeah no they they have the same sense of humor as i do hmm. so yeah no i found it quite easy gigging in austria actually I've got a kid coming up in like two weeks as well. I'm going to go to Vienna and, and well, we'll see. Maybe it's changed. But <laughs> it worked then. So did the sense of humor that you found in London, was that a surprise that how different it was? Or was it, I mean, we're talking about your your comedy among Austrian comedy, the dark humor. Yeah. But it's not all dark humor in London. It's quite broad, isn't it? Did you, yeah. did you find that? Yes. I mean... I, I didn't know what to expect really when I when I started and I checked out a few open mics and just watched the acts and yeah um, it was all kinds of stuff I mean there wasn't really anything uh, all that dark I don't I don't think what I do is all that dark either but like I just I didn't even think that oh I'm gonna I'm gonna slide tackle in here with some really dark jokes or anything <laughs> like that I just wrote what I thought was funny to me. And then mm. just basically, just I just wanted to see if the, if if the UK audience will like it or not. And um, yeah. luckily, they did on my first gig. I don't think <laughs> if they hadn't, I, I don't think I'd be doing comedy today. <laughs> <laughs> but what was it that made you want to do comedy to begin with? Yeah, it's, it's a weird story with me um, <laughs> because there's people who think about it for a long time. Um, with me, it was uh, a guy I worked with. Uh, mm. We we went out. We went to the pub like three times a week. 
Mm -hmm. and like it's just a small group of friends from work and uh, we were both big stand-up comedy fans i mean uh, for me it was mostly american comedy mm -hmm. so it was like I, I think i'd really gotten into bill burr at the time or something like that yeah and we talked we talked stand-up quite a bit and one day drunkenly we just said hey do you want to do an open mic at some point and uh, <laughs> i was like yeah yeah let's do it and i kind of we had a we had another mate there who was like yeah you know you're never gonna do that you know this is just empty talk so what we started doing was like just going to open mics in london yeah just to check them out like basically scout locations where could we actually go on stage <laughs> and um we we went to a couple that were just absolutely atrocious i mean that's gigs that you would do later or later on but that's not something where you want to start really yeah so we found uh, the cavendish arms in stockwell that you probably know mm -hmm. which is has probably been mentioned on this podcast quite a bit i would assume yeah comedy virgins yeah comedy virgins exactly yeah. and uh, we went to that and we watched it and it was like this is actually a really great nice supportive night um obviously it's a bringer Mm -hmm. um so you have to bring friends to be able to perform but we were like okay let's let's do it here and i think i wrote for months because it, <laughs> it, it took a while for us to get like spots mm -hmm. um and then i wrote for months and i think what i had actually was about half an hour of absolutely dog shit material <laughs> and, and then and then like a week before then i was in austria and I thought, you know, this is all shit. I, I need to actually write some jokes. So I just del deleted it all. And I went like, I wouldn't call it hack, but I was like, I have to just talk. Like, I thought I was going to be like, a, like a George Carlin up there. But obviously, right, yeah. that's not what you do. That's not what you do when you when you start comedy. So I just I just wrote a bunch of jokes, like really, really hacky jokes about Austria. I still have the video of my first gig as well. And yeah, it was, we, we ended up going, um, it was just going to be me and that friend who also performed that night yeah. and two friends because we had to bring friends to perform. Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately those two friends betrayed us and told everyone in the company <laughs> essentially. So like 15 people showed up to watch our first ever, <laughs> ever stand up gig, 15 people we knew. Um, I have the video still, it's never going to see the light of day. I went on. I went on stage. I didn't even take the mic out of the stand because I didn't know how. I thought I was going to fuck that up. So I just like <laughs> walked up and talked into the microphone for five minutes. And it was it was decent. I was in the clap off at the end. Yeah. So that's what made me keep going then because I was like, oh, there's something in this. And I think I did I did Comedy Virgins again as my second gig. And that's uh, I won best act of the night mm -hmm. then. And that's when I really thought like, all right, let's let's just go for this and like actually do yeah. comedy. <laughs> Did you get like how what were the nerves like doing it for the first time? Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. I I think I was about eight pints deep ah. by the time I went on stage. I was that so help, yeah. <laughs> absolutely hammered. But I had to be because I <laughs> I was so nervous. I was like, this is like this is the worst thing I've ever done in my life. Um and before then, like I had to do a few like company presentations and stuff like that in my day job. And I was always nervous, like with public speaking and stuff like that. Right. So this was like, that was the worst thing ever. And I was so drunk. <laughs> I can't even tell on the video. I think, I think the adrenaline like sort of had canceled out um, the booze. Right. So I, I'm, I'm not slurring my words or anything like that. Mm. Um, but then that was probably not the best way to start comedy because then I thought, oh, I have to drink before I go on stage. Right. And I, I did that like for a year before I ever <laughs> before I ever did a gig sober. I had a few drinks before every single gig in my first year. And my first year, I did like 150 gigs because I really, really went for it then. Yeah. 
and yeah always um the nerves nerves were horrendous <laughs> i don't know what other people have told you on this podcast were there people that just like on their first gig they were like nah i've got to smash this or is everyone is everyone uh, nervous? Pretty much everyone's the same. Oh, okay. In fact, you'd be so... Everyone is as hammered as me. <laughs> well, no. no. <laughs> they were very, very nervous. They chose different ways of addressing it, I would say. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's surprising how many people say they were tricked into it. Like someone else booked them on the bill. Oh, really? Including Alex, who you know. She was tricked into it? So she claims. I should really, I should really talk to that woman <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know your friends. You should probably have a conversation with them yeah. one day. I, I don't like talking to them. That's fair enough. <laughs> so was it everything that you expected? What were the big surprises about becoming a comedian? Um, no, I actually went into it with, uh, I think I think it was the right mindset mm. because like, there's, there's plenty of people who go into it and immediately expect success. Mm. Like they do their first open mic and immediately have a professional comedian Facebook page or something like that, <laughs> right? I've met loads of those people. Mm. Um, for me, it was always like, and I, I think it's because I listened to like Bill Burr's podcast or something. Right. And he said, uh, every time someone like writes into the podcast and asks, how do you go about starting comedy? Mm -hmm. He always says, write five minutes of shit you think is funny. Sign up to an open mic. Um, when they call your name, go up, mm -hmm. hang on for dear life. <laughs> and then uh, see if you like it. And if you like it, then do it more and more and more. Um, I never expected to have any sort of considerable success for the first five years anyway i mean it's now five years later and it's still not happened but i, <laughs> I know I'm not, I'm not i'm not like i didn't expect much from it i just really enjoyed doing it from mm. day one um yeah there were some setbacks <laughs> I, I think there was a you know like the like comedy virgins does the back best act uh competition every night basically yeah um i, I went and did a rising star one mm -hmm. night which is a similar concept and and i won best act of the night with material i i had just written i was like oh this this must be gold then <laughs> but i think it was just like the right night for what i did mm. and i was like this is this is absolute gold so um i remember some monday i got i saw on facebook there's another uh, gig on in hamsmith and like um you can just turn up and go up um because their spots open and i was like oh i've got to do that so after work i just i just went there and there was a, there was even a decent like size crowd there was probably like 20 people and the mic didn't work yeah. <laughs> and i i was still brand new but i was like oh this this material is foolproof anyway so i went up and i bombed so hard like it, you wouldn't even believe like there was like crickets would have been too loud <laughs> I, I I threw all that material away immediately after that. But yeah, it was. But even even after that, I thought, okay, because I I already in my head I was already expecting stuff like that to happen because right. you're gonna bomb every comedian bombs. Hmm. So I was like, that's fine. I'm I'm gonna keep going. I'll just do I'll just do other gigs. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, it was pretty much what I expected it to be. What I mean, there's certain things about the industry and. Uh, just the comedy circuit in general that i didn't expect as much but okay um more like you know like infighting and like like cliques and yeah uh yeah i don't know and and uh, just a sheer number of creeps on the circuit i mean <laughs> yeah. that was that was new that was i didn't expect that that was all that was all pre louis ck so that was, <laughs> yeah. I, did, I didn't know <laughs> Did you have a style in mind when you started out? Did you think this is the kind of comedian that I wanted to be? Or did it just come sort of natural? Well, um, 
Yeah, I, I had a style in mind at the, at the beginning where, like I said, I was a really uh, a big fan of like opinionated American right. um, comedians. Yeah, I mean, I wrote I wrote some anti-religion joke at the beginning and stuff like that. I was going to be, oh, I'm going to be a smart guy on stage. <laughs> and then I realized, you know what? If, one, I haven't learned that. Like, if, once you have a following, you can you can play around with your style a little bit, I would assume. But I I, I found out I was <laughs> that, that's what I actually did. Um, I think in my first year, at one point, I was like, I need to write a five minutes of actual jokes, and <laughs> I did that. And that's when I started like uh, doing really well in competitions and stuff like that. And it was hmm. it was still comedy I enjoy doing and like stuff I enjoy saying. Yeah, I just wasn't that fucking preacher on stage that i imagined myself beginning. um so i had a style in mind and it's not exactly what i'm doing now but um i actually found that the style that i'm doing now is is more suitable to me and i actually enjoy doing it more so yeah it all worked out fine is it because you're being more yourself i talk to people about the person that they play on stage and whether it's themselves if yeah. it's an honest reflection of themselves is that the case for you or is it are you playing a, a an amped up version of you or a, or a character of you yeah i would i would i would say it's an i don't know it's a, yeah it's an amplified version of me yeah. i'm not the most positive person in the world <laughs> i don't know if you've noticed that i uh, i have a very cynical view of everything and um that's sort of what i do so it's a bit of obviously it's a bit of an amplified version because off stage I'm not, I'm not constantly just going on about wanting to kill myself, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, it makes it makes for a good punchline. So there you go. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's a, I would say it's an amplified version of myself. Yeah, yeah. And uh, lately, lately, I've started. Um, I mean, you saw my preview, for example, at Two North Down. I, I, I've started doing more actual stories from my life mm. and stuff like that. So I'm, that's what I'm working on at the moment while I try and work up a good hour. Yeah. Um, so yeah it, it is pretty much myself i'm not playing a character mm. i wouldn't say yeah but it is a it is one of those things where other comedians loads of other comedians have done comedy courses right mm -hmm. I've, I've never done one mm. at this point it's become a, a point of pride for me where <laughs> i just i it was it was just stupid because like I, I think you can get something from them obviously and yeah. or if you do some there's courses out there where they help you punch up your jokes or just work out your stage persona and stuff like that, mm. where they tell you, this is how you come across to the audience. And this is, this is how you use that knowledge. So, mm. um, you know, every once in a while, you might write a joke that doesn't quite fit into your character that, that people perceive yeah. when you're on stage and then it doesn't work. So the courses, they, they, they help with, with that sort of stuff. And that's what people have told me, but again, <laughs> I'm too prideful at this point to do a comedy course. So I'm I'm just trying to really work out what it is that people see when I'm on stage and then try and um, sort of tailor my material uh, to that as well. So it's one coherent um, set or show. Yeah. So, you know, I can't all of a sudden wear a lampshade and talk about <laughs> what, what's the deal with end tables. You know, I mean, it's not... <laughs> it's not that's not who I am. <laughs> Although I would watch that. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> maybe I'll do it. <laughs> well, let's talk about feedback then that you get, because uh, obviously if you're not getting feedback from uh, a comedy course, yeah. do you video yourself and watch yourself back? Do you talk with your, your peers who come and see your shows? I used to. I used to um, film myself, then uh, record audio of myself. Yeah. I did that for a hot three months, I think, before I, I lost interest. I mean, I should do it a lot more just, you know, in the age of Instagram, so you can put up reels and stuff. Mm. But um, 
just in general no I, <laughs> I, I just don't do it anymore like even my work in progress i didn't film which was stupid because i really should have done but it's i don't know the nerves got to me and i was like i can't deal with this camera shit right now and i just gotta don't go do the show mm. but uh, in terms of feedback yeah uh obviously you get feedback from your comedy peers yeah um and or instant feedback from the audience mm -hmm. um when i started i think i in 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 the generation of comics i started with on on the london circuit i think i may have been um the, the probably the darkest one there so i got <laughs> a lot of feedback on that but then i also got feedback that told me there's something about you on stage that uh, enables you to get away with um more than others right it's not like it's not i don't say offensive stuff you know it's just it's it's just darker stuff yeah and and somehow it, it works and i got it's weird like that's that's the feedback i got then and then i started doing well in competitions and i had this weird thing where mm. in my first year in comedy essentially in, in 2018 mm. i made it to the final of uh lesser square new comedian of the year yeah uh competition and i thought for one already i, I didn't expect that because <laughs> i was like this is uh, stuff i say is way too dark for this <laughs> and then and then i submitted basically the clip the five minutes uh audio recording from the lesser square theater show yeah from the final to the bbc for the new comedy awards mm -hmm. and then i got into a heat so i got through to the first stage of that yeah and i was like that's the bbc i was like, this isn't... <laughs> it didn't even give me like back then the only rule they had was uh you can't curse like you can't you can't swear and mm. i was like okay well they're actually <laughs> actually right then that's cool that's three minutes off the material yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i don't swear on stage i work i actually work i work clean um it's just darker and um i don't know i did yeah. that uh that heat and it was an up the creek uh comedy club mm -hmm. um they'd taken all the tables out so they made it like theater style seating and there was like 400 people in and it was it was an amazing amazing night so yeah uh, that's basically i thought you know i must be doing something right if if i get stuff like that with the jokes that i do yeah oh actually then they broadcast that uh show on radio 4 mm -hmm. and when i listened to it they had cut one of my jokes out <laughs> <laughs> i think one of them may have gone too far <laughs> but yeah um overall that's basically all the feedback i got was it either instant or uh, audience feedback or yeah. promoter feedback or feedback from my peers yeah and then like the successes and competitions i thought yeah okay clearly there's something uh, i'm doing something right so i'm not gonna change course too much how do you feel about competitions in in general i mean including like um ones on the night like a gong show and things like that or the or the national contest <laughs> how do you how do you feel about those sorts of things no, I don't know. Mixed feeling. <laughs> I mean, I had some of my some of my best experiences in comedy were probably competitions. I mean, hmm. the semi-final for So You Think You're Funny, which you can only do in your first year. Yeah. And you do that in Edinburgh. So obviously that was a, a huge experience. I thought it was great. Um, like I said, BBC, mm -hmm. Lesser Square, New Comedian. So I, I really enjoyed doing those. Mm -hmm. probably because of the success yeah. i mean when you in your first year get to play to like 500 people in this square theater it's, yeah it, it's insane mm -hmm. it's, it was so so cool for a for a really new comedian mm -hmm. but in, uh, I, I don't know in, in general i don't, I don't think that uh, i don't i don't want to lose my spot in any competitions but just saying this but mm -hmm. um <laughs> 
a comedy shouldn't really be a competition it should just be an expression of what you want to do and then see if people like it um yeah ideally but then i don't know like i'm not a huge fan of gong shows either like mm. Every comedy club has gong shows, right? Like it's uh, the comedy store has has King Gong uh, up the creek has the blackout, yeah. which is every week. Yeah. Then uh, backyard has one now. Um, comedy knockout, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, Top secret has one. So the big four comedy clubs in London all have gong shows, and it's one of the easiest ways to get into in with that comedy club. I mean, mm. other than that, it's via connections or or you just get lucky. I know, I know comedians who just like said the comedy store booker saw them on a, on some random night where they were in a pub and then decided to book them. Like, right. For me, with the comedy store, for example, uh, I've done a few uh, middle spots now. I've got another one in November, and I hope mm-hmm. I, I get some paid work after that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was King Gong. Yeah. <laughs> and again, that was in my first year of comedy, and it was uh, I think it was even more pints uh, <laughs> than than my first ever open mic because. That it, it is the most that's the most daunting thing you can do as a comedian. I mean, yeah. some people aren't affected by it. I I think if I had absolutely bombed on my first gong show, I would have I probably wouldn't be around. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but I was I was lucky first King Gong. I went up and I did a I, I opened with that joke that the BBC cut out <laughs> of the broadcast. <laughs> and that's like that, that's the that's the sort of audience that likes that sort of stuff. So yeah. I went up with that. And I basically, uh, if you open with a good joke at a gong show like that, you buy yourself a minute easy. Yeah. yeah. Like if, if you get a big laugh at the top, then you buy yourself a minute. And I think I was doing well. <laughs> and then at like three minutes, I told there was someone, some, like I did a setup to a joke that took a little bit longer and it was obviously quiet. And some guy in the front row booed me. <laughs> Right. And just one guy, right? Yeah. And I, I just basically went, oh, yeah, go fuck yourself. And that got <laughs> like a huge applause. And like, they were like, oh, cool. He's giving him shit back. But yeah. then all of a sudden, like the first card went up. So I, I assume yeah. people that listen to your podcast know what a gong show is. Yeah. Now. So three cards go up. You have to leave, leave the stage. Yeah. And um, then all of a sudden, like three cards were up. And I was like three and a half minutes into the set. And I got gonged off. And as I walk off stage, everyone's booing. And I thought they were booing me. Oh, right. So I was like, yeah. I was already sitting down basically amongst the audience again. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, can you guys stop booing me? <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm one of you now. I'm one of you again. Can you like, you know, just focus on the next act. But it turned out that the whole room was booing the card holders. Yeah. And I think the guy who booed, who I told to go fuck himself, <laughs> uh, his girlfriend uh, had a card. So her card went up. And right. I think, I don't know if the others just followed suit. I don't know what it was. But mm. basically, they kept booing. And the gong master guy had to basically go, well, we have to bring him back on. So because <laughs> the audience wants him back on. So I had to, I was already like relieved. I was like, three and a half minutes. I can live with that. Yeah. <laughs> Sat back in my chair and I was like, that's fine. Okay, I can go home. I That's fine. I, I survived the first gong show. And they were like, well, no, uh, please welcome back to the stage, Hubert Meyer. He has to do another minute, minute and 35 seconds or whatever it was. Yeah. So I went up and uh, at that point you can't lose because like they're not going to do it again. Yeah. They're not going to gong you up again. So yeah. I don't even know what I did. And then you have to do another minute in the, uh, in the final, you know, there's like a clap off and then yeah, they identify like four or something final finalists and mm-hmm. everyone has to do a minute and then there's a final clap off. And I, 
I did okay. I don't think I got to my second punchline in that final minute. <laughs> Didn't know how to budget time, but I basically I got through. I survived for five minutes. Yeah. And then you're only allowed to do that show once uh, every six months. Mm. So six months later, I signed up again and I went again and I just straight like beat the gong. Yeah. Like, I did five minutes. Yeah. And uh, but again, I didn't win uh, best act of the night. So uh, another comedian told me that night to just call him up the next day. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Called up the comedy store. And I still remember going them and going, um, well, I just did King Gong last night. That was my second time. I beat it both times. Um, is there any way you can book me for like a trial spot? Mm. And I literally heard like uh, the guy leafing through like a book. Like you can hear like <laughs> yeah. the pages turning and he's like, um, it says here in March, in March 2018, you did three and a half minutes. I can't believe, I can't, one, I can't wow. believe they keep meticulous <laughs> records like that. And two, I was like, yeah, but I got uh, brought back on. So I finished the five and he was like, ah, oh, yes. Oh, I remember now. <laughs> and then, um, and then they, they booked me for a five minute spot and I did that. And then, yeah. and then on, you basically have to do 10 minute unpaid middle spots until yeah. you're deemed good enough to to do a whole weekend yeah but yeah so gong shows i think there's you know obviously for me it worked as a as a way in mm, yeah. um, but there was a time where i i kept beating the blackout as well at, at up the creek yeah um i won it a couple times and i thought oh i'm i looks like i'm unbeatable in, in <laughs> gong shows i'm just like i'm a I'm gong show guy so i'm just gonna go around and do all the gong shows and this was all pre-covid so yeah um the comedy store still had the manchester club mm-hmm. and manchester had a king gong as well so mm-hmm. in london it's every last monday of the month or first monday of the month i can't remember yeah and basically the sunday before it's in manchester or it was right uh, when the club still existed so i was like you know what i don't care how broke i am i'm just gonna go up to manchester <laughs> where everyone says it's much friendlier it's a much friendlier crowd it's much easier to beat i'm gonna go up there and win that fucking thing <laughs> um so i booked a mega bus yeah and i sat on a mega bus to Manchester for six hours to to go do that gong show, and I ended up doing a hot forty seconds before I got. Gong. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that was just a, like everyone was hammered in the crowd. There was a group of lads on the side, and as I walked on and basically started um, by by addressing the fact that I'm from Austria, they started doing like Schwarzenegger impressions and singing a song. No one could even hear my first punchline. <laughs> And like 40 seconds later, or I don't know, a minute or something, I was gone. <laughs> and then back to the mega bus. Yeah. <laughs> Six hours back. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. yeah. Horrendous. <laughs> Horrible. I would discourage anyone from doing that. <laughs> Ruined my life. No. <laughs> but yeah, um, they can be a blessing. But I think, uh, do you know Dane Buckley? Yeah. Yeah. So he's like fairly new, right? I think I think he started comedy in 21. Yeah, a couple of years ago. I mean, he just smashed every gong show in the country. And like immediately, yeah. like, so that propels you, like it makes you skip lots of like horrendous stages of comedy if you just, <laughs> if you're able to do that. But then yeah. I think uh, lots of people take them too seriously or, or and it's, it's a whole different format. It's not like, it's not a normal comedy night. Like people go there to be mean to the comedian. So yes, exactly. Yeah. You, you can't take it too seriously. You should never put the power in the hands of the audience. Yeah, exactly. They don't know what they're doing. They're morons. <laughs> <laughs> they're not professionals. No. <laughs> you mentioned uh, COVID times. So let's talk about your lockdown experience then. So you got a few years on the circuit and then no circuit. So I don't know. I don't know how much you're going to edit out. <laughs> <laughs> Only the good stuff. Or just in general, like, because uh, I could talk about 
this for probably an hour, but just in, in general, <laughs> at the time, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back a little bit. Sure. Um, when uh, Jamie, who you have who you've had on the podcast, I don't know if you've had Richard yet or if you're trying to book him, I don't know. But basically, in 2018, hmm. both Jamie and I quit our day jobs, right? And and then we went to Edinburgh, yeah. and we did like a crazy amount of comedy for like nearly two weeks and nearly died because we drank way too much. Mm-hmm. And um, so after that, I, I quickly found another day job and uh, Jamie struggled for a bit. And then we were both, there was a point where we were both just, it's so insanely broke. <laughs> you can't even believe. And then eventually, like at the end of 2019, um, we decided that we want to move. I'd lived in a, in a flat, like opposite Alex's in Shoreditch at the time. Mm-hmm. And I had to move out anyway because my housemates were, were moving. And then Jamie had a similar situation. Mm. And uh, and Richard was looking for a new flat as well. So we were like, okay, let's just build the comedy empire and like the three <laughs> of us move in together, right? And we, <laughs> so we ended up moving. Uh, the short story is we, we ended up moving to Walthamstow in, in, in I want to say, February 2020, maybe January. Mm-hmm. And we basically moved in together and we were like, this is fucking brilliant. We're... We're right by Walthamstow <laughs> Central Station. Like yeah. we can just bang out gigs, come back home. It's all super easy transport links, and and uh, yeah, and then uh, then it was lockdown time. Yeah, and we hadn't even bought any furniture at the point at that point. Like there was just like some sort of like casting couch in there. It was just drenched in cum, I think. And <laughs> and it's, it was uh, we were we spent the first few weeks in lockdown. I mean, obviously you couldn't go out and like buy furniture or anything, so. Jamie had brought <laughs> three camping chairs <laughs> and we were just like the biggest white trash flat you've ever seen in your life. Like where's <laughs> a, there was, <laughs> there was a TV on like on a, on, on a, on a kitchen table that didn't even have any, any chairs with it. So <laughs> we just set up the TV and then we had three camping chairs in front of it. And we just sat there drinking beer, watching films. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so it was it was pretty stupid and then also i, I need to go back a bit because like, i said that was the short story the long story <laughs> a longer story is um we went we had one day to view a bunch of flats in walthamstow mm. and jamie and 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 rich had already done that so that they'd, they'd seen a few flats right but then we had another day we had booked like five viewings or whatever and we went to walthamstow um met up there went to the first viewing was an absolute hole just absolute shithole of a flat yeah. We were like, we're not, you know, we don't want to do this one. And we had an hour to kill before we had the next viewing. So we went to a pub and and had a pint of Guinness. Mm-hmm. And after that pint of Guinness, those two said, you know what? We saw that one flat the other day. Let's just have six Guinness <laughs> instead of going to viewings. Let's cancel them all and let's just take that flat. And I was like, you yeah, know, I, I, I trust you guys. You know, it's probably a nice <laughs> flat. It's fine. Move in there absolute fucking shithole it was like it was <laughs> it's a ground floor flat there was there was mice there was like homeless people living next door in the bin room we started calling them the bin boys because we heard them at night and uh, first first time i took first time i took a bin bag out and i wanted to go to that bin store i opened the door and then some guy just grabs the bag and goes like i'll take and i was like oh cool <laughs> then there were there were rats um that became a huge problem in in lockdown mm. when there wasn't oh, no people around anymore. So the rats just took over the neighborhood. Wow! Right. <laughs> it's only fourteen hundred a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it was yeah, it was more than that. 
Um, <laughs> then, <laughs> I was exaggerating for comic yeah, effects. Yeah. My God, it was more than that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, between the three of us, yeah, that total was more than that. And but the and just in general with lockdown, yeah. as much as like all of that sucked in a way. <laughs> yeah. I still remember at that point I was pretty burned out with comedy. I'll be honest. Like I'd worked a pretty stressful day job at the time. I gigged like five nights a week. Yeah. And and it it it, it had burned me out to the point where when when lockdown started and i was like okay so boris johnson has just announced an actual national lockdown and i looked at my diary mm. and i started deleting all my gigs or any sort of like social obligation or gig yeah. just deleted for the next three months and I, that was a feeling of elation i'd not i've not felt since <laughs> I don't it was it was incredible like all of a sudden, like as much as we were sitting in cafe chairs, drinking cans of Stella, <laughs> watching watching films, uh, I I I had I had a great time because I was like, I, finally I can have actually like a good night's sleep, have some evenings in yeah. and stuff like. That. I really needed it, so it was in a way it was good. <laughs> but then I started doing online gigs, and then the whole thing turned again. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a great time doing online gigs. I don't I oh, didn't yeah? do I didn't do many. No. But I I smashed every single I don't know what it is about it, but, but it was it's so, it's so much more free form and you don't necessarily think Jesus Christ I'm bombing right now. It's just yeah. you're doing an online gig, right? Yeah. So I did like a, a couple of new material gigs where where I got to ramble for 20 minutes. Yeah. So I remember when I was in 21 I think I was stuck here in Austria and from this room which my mother calls the computer room. That's, that's all it is. You know, I mean, my brother and I had to share a room growing up, but yeah, the computer gets its own room. Um, <laughs> um, so I was in here and I did mm. a gig for uh, a comedy club in Vienna, actually. Mm. And it had like 200 viewership. Um, the two MCs actually went to a studio and like they did like proper MCing. And Obviously, like if an online gig was set up right, then it was good because yeah. like everyone was told to unmute themselves and to not heckle, and then it was it was it was great. It was all it was almost like a real gig, but with less pressure. Like you know, you can't. <laughs> I don't know. You get you you don't bomb in front in front of a front of a PC. It's yeah. just like it's a, <laughs> weird. It's a weird thing, and I really enjoyed doing it. Um, yeah. Oddly, and then some of the online gigs I did were some of the best paid gigs I'd ever done. There was one where Richard and I did a shared three minutes and we were both paid <laughs> a three-figure sum for that. So wow. at that time, that was that was great. Yeah. yeah. Did you, did you as the comedy nerd, if I can ask a question back, yeah, yeah. did you actually, did you watch a bunch of online stuff during lockdown? Oh, yeah, loads. Yeah? Yeah. Did you watch King, King Gong online? Because that was the oh, most horrendous God, no. thing. <laughs> I hate gong shows. I hate them. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, cannot, yeah I, I really can't stand them at all. I could see why. Well, yeah, I mean, if you're actually into comedy as an art form properly, then you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't like gong shows. I would yeah. A, a comedian has to see a gong show as just a gig and take everything else out of it. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah that's ba Yeah, you just said what I rambled on about <laughs> without yeah. getting to the point but yeah the reader's digest yeah <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> but i watched a lot of uh, a lot of online stuff i watched some of the ones that uh kiri pritchard mclean did i saw some of uh, alex's yeah. um the dalit hamlet ones oh yeah 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 i was like yeah that's what that's what richard and i did with where we yeah it was like this is really cool they made us do uh what was it like 
uh, which one of us is the worst housemate basically so we had to, <laughs> had to slag each other off for th for three minutes and it was really really fun to do yeah and um did a couple of online roast battles as well at the time like wait. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was uh yeah that was that was rough it <laughs> was rough but yeah i mean obviously yeah you did anything to to entertain yourself at that time yeah yeah fair enough yeah. <laughs> what it did do zoom this amazing yeah. new miracle format uh that <laughs> didn't exist before 2020 apparently ah, they fucking crushed it didn't they <laughs> yeah yeah can't believe they actually got rid of skype do you remember <laughs> yeah. when house party was a thing for like three minutes nope at the beginning of lockdown everyone was like you gotta get it on house party <laughs> that was one of, one of those mobile apps where you can just hang out on video chat that died within three minutes yeah zoom took over but what it did do is it meant that i could now get involved in gigs in australia and america things oh, i wouldn't yeah, have yeah. seen otherwise yeah you know live comedy from the u.s yeah that's really cool actually that's a cool aspect to it yeah yeah and now, and now i'm thinking that zoom probably released release that fucking virus <laughs> yeah exactly. and anyone made that connection yeah <laughs> <laughs> huh. I mean, it's, you know. But also, I mean, as, as a from a, a positive note, also is that it meant that people who wouldn't normally be able to go to comedy. I was saying this about the Leicester Festival, which was online in 2021, was entirely online. The Leicester Comedy Festival. It meant that yeah. people who wouldn't normally be, physically be able to go to comedy could suddenly have access to it because of you know accessibility issues or whatever. So yeah. that's a nice, a nice. You got to look at the positive spin on it. There's a lot of positives to it, actually. That's what uh, some online gigs are still going. I mean. Yes, yeah. It's become a part of the mix because of accessibility, and I think that's good. That's like a, that's yeah. a really good thing. I expected a lot of good things to come out of the pandemic. Like when it comes to comedy, you know, like like the Fringe, for example. I thought, yeah. oh my god, this is gonna fix the Fringe, because <laughs> obviously there was no Fringe in 2020. Then there was like the reduced Fringe in 21, and I was like, oh my god, like they're gonna stop stop. Um, price gouging like crazy when it comes to accommodations and everything and no went the other way yep got even worse yeah, of course of course it did <laughs> i don't know why i had a positive thought for one you second. think a price will actually go down yeah <laughs> obviously <laughs> i, I was how it works <laughs> yeah i don't know what, what got into me i think it was that whole fact where I, where I deleted all those gigs and i was like oh i'm happy for the first time in 10 years yeah and uh, I, I started having positive thoughts <laughs> and obviously the world the world proved them wrong <laughs> yeah it's a, none of that get back to where you were yeah. before <laughs> that. yeah shut up <laughs> give me three grand so you can perform yeah <laughs> so edinburgh then let's talk about your festival experience <laughs> you did a split bill with another guy uh last yeah, year some other guy <laughs> <laughs> how was your festival experience doing spots or doing your your split bill really good um that was actually my first time doing a show in mm. in edinburgh like my own show i mean it was with jamie obviously but it was uh mm. it was an actual show <laughs> yes <laughs> that we put on so it's a whole new ball game because like when you when you start comedy i mean I, I'd, I'd gone up to edinburgh in 2018 and did like five spots a day but you're just yeah. part of mixed bills right um and i went up for a week in 2019 and did a few spots and stuff like that but then yeah. um last year <laughs> it's such a weird thing when the first time in your comedy career people come to see you mm. and like they don't come because it's a good comedy club and it's always a good night and like yeah that's not the selling point the selling point is that if they've come to see you they either like your flyer or yeah. they've seen you online or um you bribe them to come <laughs> or there was nothing else happening oh yeah it was raining so, outside yeah. lots of reasons yeah 
I mean, you obviously <laughs> you saw the venue we were in. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't the the best. <laughs> it was a challenging venue, um, and we had a challenging time. So we we were assigned the last spot uh, slot of the night because mm. apparently the lads can deal with it. That's what we were told. <laughs> wow. Um, because there was, it was a very boozy pub, but yes. uh, with a lot of I don't know, people had colds. Like people tend, I don't. There was a lot of sniffling going on. Let's put it that way. And, <laughs> and um, so it was like um, the week, the weekday shows were yeah. um, challenging at times because uh, you would get like between five and ten people in uh, at mm. most. Um, we got people in that were just coked out of their minds. We got a guy who, who just started doing coke while he wasn't wow. sitting there listening to us. There were yeah. hecklers. There were people that that had fallen asleep. There were just like <laughs> People that were really difficult to deal with, mm. but it, um, I don't even see that as a negative because it, it taught me a lot about like I completely I had to adjust my my style completely night night on night. I can't remember which day you came. Was it a shit one or was it a good one? It was a good one. It was a full room, and both of you were on good form, so I got lucky, I guess. Oh, uh, was 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 that a weekend? Was it was? Uh, I think it may have been. I don't know. All the days are the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we get it. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, on weekends we had we had really good shows. I mean, there was there was one on that Saturday where um, uh, Jerry Sadowitz's show got cancelled, right? Yeah, by the venue. If you remember that, mm -hmm. we had a a completely rammed room. It was about seventy degrees in there at that point because like, everyone was just sweating. Horrible. I mean, it was it was only separated from the main bar area by a by a curtain. Yeah. But <laughs> that night, and I think it may have been the one you. You came to i'm not sure but it was it was absolutely rammed like standing room only i mean not even standing room like people people were standing outside that curtain mm. to listen in yeah and it might have been it, it may have been one of the one of one of the best shows i'd ever done uh, in my life at that point mm. and i see i still see it as a success um as like because jamie and i are just giant pieces of shit and <laughs> and uh <laughs> just like a bit too lazy for our own good so most people, when they do a free French show, and mm. especially a split bill, yeah, um, and late at night at not the best venue, possibly mm. they have to pull a show at one point. When we didn't have to pull a single one because we got people in every single time. Yeah, uh, one Monday where it was absolutely pissing it down outside, and it was yeah. just like we were sitting in that pub, our venue, mm. watching watching football, and we were like, you know what, I'm not going out flyering in this, and. <laughs> The main way to get people in, obviously in Edinburgh, is, is flyering, especially if you do a free print show, no PR, no nothing. Yeah. And they're like, you know what, if we're gonna pull a show, it's gonna be tonight. So let's just not, you know, mm. let's just not really put any effort into it. And I, I went to the front <laughs> door. I still went to the front door and I was like, if people come in to the pub, I'm gonna give them a flyer and just say we have a show at like half ten. Yeah. Uh, come in if you fancy it. And then, like, loads of people came in, and as I tried to fly them, they were like, no, 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 we're already here to see you. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Why? But <laughs> it was uh, just the Pleasance down the road had let out a bunch of shows, and mm. it was raining so heavily. People had that uh, wee blue book from PBH, and they just saw that there's a show that starts in, like, 15 or, or half, 15 minutes, half an hour, yeah. just, like, five minutes down the street. So... That's why they came. They were like, they wanted to get out of the rain and, and see a show. And that was that was an incredible show. Yeah. It was it was full. We didn't <laughs> didn't have to do anything for it. It was full. Uh, we had <laughs> a couple. 
insanely drunk old people in the middle of, of the room uh, where one of them started falling asleep. And we just, I think we did maybe 50% of our material. The rest was crowd work and just fucking around. It was so, so much fun. Yeah. And before that, Edinburgh, I had re always refrained from doing crowd work or talking to the crowd as much as I can. Because yeah. like I, I was like, I just stick to my material. It's not my native tongue. So I might not be as quick with it as other people. So uh, I was like, and then that completely turned there. Like I learned, I learned so much there. It was, yeah. it was a, it was an insane experience. I mean, <laughs> there's a legendary show at, at the French called Wrong Comedy. I don't know if you know about mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Um, Bob Walsh is the promoter, lovely guy. And he was the one who in 2018, when I was a brand new comic, mm -hmm. um, some people recommended me to him. So it's like, I don't want to call it a free speech comedy night. It's just like, it's, it's the, the darkest shit <laughs> that people have. It's like, yeah. Even people that normally don't do material like that can go to that night and just try out jokes they, they'd written, but then decided I can't actually. <laughs> it's a really, really nice night. And yeah. it's just, you can say whatever the fuck you want type yeah. thing. <laughs> and it's more like, so I got recommended for that. And then uh, Bob genuinely, he was like, uh, you can do every night. So in 2018, I went up and um, I started doing five minutes and after like two shows where I did five, yeah. he said, you can do 10 every night. Like, I got to close every night and, and Jamie got to open every night. So we were like, oh. we had the best, the best time. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Bob messaged me asking me if I'm going to be in Edinburgh and if I can do wrong comedy again, I, 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 because it clashed with our show last year, Jamie and mine, I could only do it. I did it twice. Right. Like once, once I basically made Jamie MC at the top and then do his bit first. So I can go and do wrong comedy first. Right. And then another night, our show was already done. Um, our run was already done and I got to do it. Right. But I, yeah, I re I'd, I'd really love to do that again because yeah, I have some jokes that I used to do on the circuit that I don't do anymore. That is a bit, <laughs> a bit too much. And then I came, I genuinely came back from Edinburgh last year thinking I'm going to, immediately start working on my hour and i'm gonna do my hour this year yeah but that didn't happen <laughs> i'm not i'm not going to edinburgh this year i'm just gonna work out the best hour that i can and then and then do it mm. next year debut next year yeah you mentioned briefly a minute ago um english not being your first language but you perform comedy in german as well do you do different jokes do you do the same jokes that do they work in translation because of <laughs> linguistic differences? I don't how does that work? Actually, yeah, it's a, yeah, no, you can't do it's <laughs> the, the languages are so different. Like, yeah, I'd not done comedy, like, I started doing comedy in English. I, I haven't, I didn't do comedy in German until mm. last year. I did, right. uh, I recorded a roast battle for Comedy Central Germany. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, it's like it's, it's on Amazon Prime now. Um, yeah. I got it uh, via another comedian, Leila Dari. She's fantastic, but she's now Switzerland-based. So she's German-speaking, but mm -hmm. we knew each other from the circuit. And she had done one already. And Germany has a, a I don't know if you can guess, but a very small comedy scene. And, uh, <laughs> it's one comedian. <laughs> Henning Venn, that's it. <laughs> now, so basically, see, she had done one already. And if you, if you, if you do well, they, they, they might come back to you and say, hey, in the next season, do you want to do another one? Yeah. It's it's exactly the same thing as it is in the UK. I, I don't know if you've seen the Comedy Central Rose Battles, but yeah. it's like the same studio and everything right. in terms of like the, the, the layout and everything. Yeah. And um, she she could pick her opponent. So she suggested me. 
um because i had done a lot of rose battles in the uk and like we know knew each other quite well mm-hmm. and i was like what well, leila i can't like I, I can't even send those producer people a clip of me doing comedy in german like i don't have one <laughs> i sent them a 10 minute video of me doing the comedy store and i thought like they're, they're just going to be like now nah, we need someone you know who has like german comedy experience and they, no mm-hmm. they were like yeah, fantastic. <laughs> basically told me there's a bunch of like Z-list uh, celebrities at this point that they use and that they they have a writer's room that write the jokes for them and stuff like that. And I didn't, I, they were like, yeah, you you at least don't need that. Like you can actually write the joke. But that was my first time being on stage in Germany. It was for national TV immediately. And uh, <laughs> you had to memorize 15 jokes. And then there's an added difficulty for me. I mean, I guess it's the same for Leila, but there's an added difficulty for me is that I'm from Austria and I grew up speaking I have a very, very heavy dialect. So mm. I essentially already spoke two languages before I spoke English because the dialect is so like if I speak to anyone from Germany and how I grew up speaking, mm. anyone from Germany who's not from Bavaria, if they're like from further north, they yeah. wouldn't even understand. Like they, they can't follow what I'm, what I'm saying. So you're, uh, on TV, you obviously have to speak proper German. So I, that's an added difficulty. So I had to do that and I had to memorize 15 jokes. Like it's like, I think it was five rounds of three jokes each. So I had to memorize 15 jokes and then ideally you'd have a few comebacks as well. Right. And it was, yeah, it would, that was probably since I started comedy, the most daunting experience I'd ever had in my life, but it was, it was really good. Alex actually came to Berlin with me. <laughs> she actually came to the taping as well. I was in a, in a giant comedy club in, in Berlin called Quatsch Comedy Club, probably the biggest comedy club in Germany. And, <laughs> and she was there. She was just there to support. She was like, oh, yeah, you did well. I was like, how the fuck would you know? Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was my first time doing comedy in German. And you cannot translate English uh, jokes into German. Like, I mean, people, mm. I, I suppose some, some of them you probably can, but I suppose because I've lived in the UK for so long, my, my brain actually thinks in, in English for right. the most part. So if I... I think of a joke, even if it's for a rose battle, I'm like, oh, this is the joke. This is what I'm going to do. Mm. And then I have to actually sort of like translate it into German and I started writing it. And mm. I was like, I can't find a grammatically correct way here to put the punchline <laughs> at the end. It's just not right. It's, yeah. It's just not possible in this language. Yeah. So I abandoned a couple of joke ideas where I was like, I would love this idea. It would work in English. It just doesn't work in German. So you can't. I, mean, right. I couldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my 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 general like club set, I don't think I would use and maybe maybe like twenty percent of it I could probably translate into German. It would still work, but yeah. I would I'd write all new stuff. Yeah. I, I hosted a German gig in London shortly before I came over here. Right. Um where I booked uh <laughs> I basically wanted to to put on an a German language night and I was the MC mm-hmm. and I wrote a bunch of, like pre prepared like bits and stuff for my emceeing bit but all brand new because like i couldn't really go with any of my jokes yeah and then i ended up booking one german guy and one austrian girl yeah alice frick yeah fantastic comedian and uh then a scottish woman and an english woman yeah. but they <laughs> but they spoke german well enough that they wanted to try their hand at, at like german speaking comedy it was actually quite a good night yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah no it's not it doesn't work i think that's where maybe some of the stereotype about germans comes from it's, i don't know where, <laughs> maybe that's it i don't know what it is but i always thought english lends itself way way more um to comedy just as a language 
uh, in terms of um, how the grammar is structured. It's a much, much richer vocabulary. Mm. Um, I mean, in German, you have the compound word, so you can just create a, a word that takes you a minute to say yeah. from other words, but it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not the same. Mm. And yeah, that's probably why all over Europe and everywhere, like there's English speaking comedy everywhere. Now, like English speaking standup is on the rise yeah. in any country. Like everyone enjoys it, especially now online. Everyone watches like, reels and tiktoks and stuff from english-speaking comedians so everyone's yeah. really into it and i think it's partly to do with the language yeah. mm. i give you the longest fucking answer <laughs> like i almost feel bad oh, I've, always, I've stopped recording doesn't matter <laughs> um so <laughs> so assuming that you haven't mentioned them already because it sounds like you might have done what have been your best and worst gigs oh yeah. no i haven't actually Oh wow! Um, okay, <laughs> more extreme. Genuinely, haven't. No, I, I, I told you that one horrendous one, but that was just an open mic. That's not that bad. I had one. Must have been 2019, yeah. where a promoter booked me, based on having seen me at, at Backyard Comedy Club, and he mm -hmm. was like, "Well, I have, I have a paid. It was like not, not much money, but I have a paid gig here in um, Bexley Heath, um, which is a, a rich London suburb for anyone who doesn't know." <laughs> So this was in January of 2019 because mm. I was doing dry January. So I wasn't drinking at all. And then my girlfriend at the time and I broke up on that day, right. basically as I was leaving for the gig. So I was, I was heavily depressed. I had to go to Bexley Heath. It's more, more suitable to driving comedians, like people who have a car. Yeah. So I had to go. I was basically walking through woods <laughs> and then over like, like a, a motorway overpass to, to this gig, yeah. to this sports hall it was like basically a tennis hall <laughs> so incredibly conducive to comedy like the highest ceiling you've ever seen in your life <laughs> super well lit and just the biggest old tory audience i've ever seen in my life and i was depressed <laughs> already and i walk in there but then I, I was kind of feeling like you know what this might be good um Older people usually like my comedy and stuff like because I do like World War II references and stuff like that. And then they were there, you know. Um, and and uh, yeah, so I walked in there and there was a bunch of like really depressed uh, club comedians who had been doing it for 20 years were there. And I was talking to them and I didn't really enjoy it. But then a really, really, really great comedian walked in as well, who was the headliner of the night. I don't want to name any names. And he came up to me and I think he mentioned that the head of, of the curb, like really big agency was there that night. Right. And then he came up to me and he was really nice. And he was like, I'm really looking forward to your set. And I was like, you know what? This might be, this, this might be what cheers me up. And then they bring me on. So, so it was the MC. And then it was, there was a 20 minute opener. And I think then I had to go on to do 10 mm -hmm. after a break, maybe. And they brought me on and I did my usual opening joke to uh, just beyond silence. <laughs> and they looked annoyed that I was even there. Right. And I said, <laughs> Like there was a, the front row was empty as 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 often happens with gigs like that. But I bet there was what the, a couple, like an older couple, in the front row, and they both had like just their arms folded, and they looked up at me, and they were just like, and <laughs> I, I plowed ahead. No, I didn't actually. I didn't know how to deal with it at the time. I could have addressed it. I should have. Um, but I was I was I was too new, and mm. <laughs> I ended up just putting the mic back at seven minutes, and I was like, you know, fuck this, I'm just leaving. <laughs> as i walk off stage i was like okay so there was this really good comedian here who just saw this there was the head of off the curb here who just saw this um the mc 
brought on the next act. The next act, I can't remember who it was, went on and said, so this is like a classic comedy night. You know, you have the MCU, there's this and this. You have the opening act, you have this and this, this. And then you have the fucking fish out of water over there. Um, <laughs> that's what he called me. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to go home. <laughs> I walked to the bar. There was a bar like outside, and I'd ordered a pint already. But it was like it was like the twenty fifth of January at that point. I was like, you know what? No, fucking. I, I said no, no, no. Actually, give me just like a diet coke, and I, I actually managed to to finish dry January. But as I was walking back to the station again, again through the woods, I was like, yeah, okay. So my relationship just ended i just did the worst gig of my life they called me a fish out of water i can't even drink <laughs> i was walking <laughs> as i as i got to the motorway overpass again i can't tell you how, how <laughs> just how tempting that was oh geez you see a lorry driving down and he's there like, oh, it's fucking worthless piece just throw yourself off um that was the worst that was the worst gig i've ever done just because of all those all those different elements well yeah that was horrendous i never I never even invoiced for it. I didn't want the money. I never wanted wow. to, to see the promoter again, who wasn't there that night. Right. But he did text me during the keep going, how how'd it go? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I think everyone's doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> but I never asked for the money. And then that promoter is a, um, he's a booker promoter. He's, he's also a comedian, a, a really great comedian MC himself. Mm. Like I saw him a year later or something. Eh, we would have been locked mm. down. I don't know. At some point, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm on the same bill as him. And as I went on and I, I had a really good set. And as I came off stage, he came up to me and I was like, what's your name again? I really, I really liked your set. And I was like, oh, my God, he doesn't remember. That's great. <laughs> so, yeah, it worked out in the end. But, yeah, that was, that was definitely the worst. And I think with Best, it always changes. It, it, it te- for me, it tends to be the most recent really great gig that I've done. So... The one I did at Dulwich Hamlet when I was in, mm-hmm. um, so that was three weeks ago, yeah. and I was bri- briefly in London again. I did at Dulwich Hamlet, and it was genuinely, uh, partly maybe because they they have a lot of regulars, and I didn't want to do the same material I did right. my first two times. I did I did that gig. I I went up and I maybe did fifty percent material. Yeah. The rest was all ad libbed, and I had one of the best sets of my life. So that was probably. It's the, my new favorite one, but you know, like I said, I did five minutes in at Leicester Square Theatre in front of five hundred people in my first yeah. year, so obviously that would be up there as well. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's yeah. tough to say. Changes constantly. <laughs> How can we find out about you and where you're playing? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that'll be a tough one for everyone. Um, <laughs> oh, best best way to find out where I'm playing is is just to follow me on Instagram. Uh, it's H uh, U B S M A Y R is my my insta handle also same same one on twitter but yeah i would if i if i do gigs that i think are worth promoting then i promote them on <laughs> promote them on twitter uh, on instagram and I'll, I'll definitely do it for my own shows yeah um like i said I'm, I'm trying to sort it out but i'm gonna book in as many as i can and i'll just um to put on a bunch of work in progress shows yeah in london and then also now with jamie living in liverpool i might i'll be up north quite a bit as well so i'll, I'll book all around the country yeah so yeah, Instagram. <laughs> I don't have a link tree because I'm too lazy to set one up. <laughs> I have a website. I have a website that I built like three years ago and I never actually did anything with it. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to promote it now. <laughs> it's just, it's, just uh, it's so, yeah, I need, to, I need to do some stuff. Um, 
but yeah I'm, I'm hoping like i don't know like for me personally like i i had a i had a clip of mine go viral that i didn't put up myself yeah. that was put put up by the by the blackout and it's just hit a million views yeah and i got a shit ton of followers out of it so i was like ah, oh, maybe i can finally get some people <laughs> <laughs> so finally then in line with the title of the show hubert what is comedy in a nutshell uh <laughs> I should have thought about this before. I thought, ah, yeah, you know what? I'll wing this. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is comedy in a nutshell? I don't know. I think uh, comedy is one of the few art forms that has something for everyone, I think, because everyone has a sense of humor. Some people have really <laughs> fucked up ones. Some people, you know, everyone, everyone has something that they find funny. And I think there's something to find in comedy for everyone. Mm. And I would also, I know this is a weird thing to say as a comedian, but I would also recommend to anyone to just go and do an open mic if they even remotely fancy it mm. you'll get something out of it even if it's just the knowledge that that's not for you <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it's just i i think it's i think it's the best form of life entertainment there is mm. and it's 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 also the purest form of life entertainment there is to me personally because maybe improv i don't know it's not my cup of tea <laughs> but um it's just a guy with a microphone or a girl mm. And yeah, this is literally just you and the mic. And like, as much as, as people revere like musicians, I, I, li I listened to a clip from, it was, a, I think it was from a radio show and uh, Joe Perry from Aerosmith had basically, he was talking to these two comedians on this radio show and he was just mm. completely in awe of them. <laughs> so you have yeah. the balls to just go out and grab a mic mm. and then just create something out of nothing. They were like, dude, you're an Aerosmith. What are you? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wait, what are you talking about? But he was like, yeah, well, you know, we've studied our songs. We've like, we've... <laughs> um, yeah, I, don't, I think it's like if in a nutshell, to me, it's the purest form of life entertainment. Yeah. Hubert, yeah, thank you so much. It's been brilliant talking with you. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this. 